Is the U.S. great? Why is Maverick holding on to his guilt? Should the U.S. invade other countries? How do we move past our own guilt and shame? How do these questions tie into Top Gun Maverick? Find out now on today's episode of Dive Deep with George and Lance, while we take a deep dive into the movie Top Gun Maverick. We're not in Kansas anymore. In those moments, what do you do with the moral elements of it that are so contrary to your faith? I'm going to make them an offer again. We are going to have to work at not being shaped by the world. You want to play rough? Okay. Say hello to my little friend. Let's go to a movie tonight, okay? And then we just take the best. None of them ain't good, probably, in that theater on that night. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Test your heart as to whether in entertainment is defaulting to the world. Good evening, everybody. This is Dive Deep, and I'm George. And I'm Lance. And we are back with an exciting episode. Yes, yes, we are. So we have decided to, to kind of switch things up, to change our format a little bit, just because we have, we have all these topics we want to discuss, and we can just sort of jump into them, but we actually felt like it would be a little bit more uh, persuasive and a little bit more interesting to have springboards to talk to sort of jump off of. Yeah, you'll notice so. that some of our content will be around some current things, uh, films. Not to say that we'll be exclusively t- uh, using uh, motion pictures. Yes, yes. But we, you know, we use a we lot might do of books. them maybe. You never books. know. Yeah. Uh, still like to do some interviews and get people on. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have an extensive library. Uh, of past episodes yeah and tell them where they can go to get that yeah you can go to divedeep.net and you can get all of our past episodes we have we have over a hundred i believe a hundred past episodes yeah quite a bit yeah so we are and for those that uh, don't know us uh, we are trying to go deep dive deep yes into the topic We Uh, we tend to have a long and a short of it type of theme. Yeah. yeah. And that's going to be kind of teased out in this one a little sooner. Usually wait until the end. Yeah. But long and short, he's tall, I'm short. Yeah. So exactly. there it is, long and short. You can kind of tell the height difference, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, with every episode, we're not doing away with a few things. Like first first and foremost, we're, uh, we got coffee. Still we drinking coffee, coffee that he actually At every episode. Yeah, I roasted this um, Friday. I roasted this Friday. So. And this is a brand that he does sell. Freaking yeah, fresh yeah. coffee. It's, uh, mm-hmm. This is... Costa Rica anaerobic fermentation. So this is even this is even more special. This is special er. You mm. have all of the the freaking fresh. You have all of the fresh coffees that are from single origins, and everybody's they're they're just super great. But this has takes had it a one, little farther. Yeah, it, it it goes a little bit further farther down the the rabbit hole. So and fermentation, mm. so good. It's it is um, it is fifty percent ABV. So uh, we probably will be drunk at the end. No, of- it's not. <laughs> I'm joking. Mm-hmm. A lot of people ask me that, though. Uh-huh. I say, it's fermented. They're like, oh, does, does it have alcohol in it? They're no, drinking it on the show. How dare they? <laughs> Hold on. Are I'm they gonna, Christian? Gonna, they are, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I anyways, haven't we talked about alcohol this show? I'm pretty sure we, we did. talked about alcohol. You go back to dive deep. Exactly. Yeah. And we and believe that, you know, you so, give alcohol to those who are mourning. Yeah. Strong drink. Yes. Now, with that being said, yes. what's our topic? Our topic is, uh, well, Top Gun Maverick, actually. Who has seen that movie? Raise your hand. <laughs> yes. Uh, Raise your hand if you've seen Top Gun Maverick. Uh, well. I think a few people are raising their hand, George. Yes, probably billions. <laughs> billions. <laughs> <laughs> At least I think you should. There's been a lot of people. And actually, I think that that's, that's important to, dis- to discuss briefly. There, a lot of people have seen Top Gun Maverick, and they've really loved it. And that's, that's, that's really poignant, because um, Top Gun Maverick is... I would like to start these shows off with a kind of a short synopsis and review of the movie. Um, you know what? Before we get that far, go ahead. Go ahead. Shouldn't we talk about the Christian? Podcast oh yes, yes, that's another yes, aspect. Yes. We are in the process of joining, and and if you're listening to the audio, you might have gotten this through the Christian podcast community. Uh, something that we are in the process of joining. We're very excited to be brought onto the Christian podcast community. It is a community. It was lonely of, on the island, wasn't it? I know mm-hmm. <laughs> it is pretty lonely on the on the mm-hmm. island. But there were lots of coconuts, so we could yes, make a helicopter. Exactly. So we flew off the island with our coconut helicopter, and we found the Christian podcast community. And they have graciously um, decided to bring us on. And it's really exciting because there's going to be a lot of opportunity for us to expand our horizons and most importantly, for us to bring other podcasters on here Mm -hmm. and other people who are basically doing the same thing. For instance, uh, in in the in the lead up to this episode, I listened to "Are You Just Watching" with Eve and Tim. Hold on, I got to make sure. Is it even Tim? I'm I'm feeling a little self conscious here. Yeah, it's even Tim. I mm-hmm. it, it's going to be a bit to actually look. If this not, up. you'll get an email. Yeah, I'm so sorry mm-hmm. if your name is not Tim. Um, <laughs> it, it they they did a great job of of basically doing something similar to what we do here. Uh, or what we plan on doing, our new new show format. Only they do it better at this point because they have a lot more practice than we mm-hmm. do. But they do a great job of of, of reviewing films, films and movies, pop culture, mm-hmm. and then they 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 dig into the themes that are present. And, and of course, the show is entitled "Are You Just Watching?" It, it, talking to the Christian, <clears throat> are you just kind of just tuning in and tuning out? Or are you actually considering what you're consuming? So they tease out the themes and they 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 take them apart. Yeah. Um, Top Gun Maverick was really good. They did a great job on that. So I highly recommend you going to Are You Just Watching? I believe their website is areyoujustwatching.com. And um, you can also you find them um, on everywhere podcasts so yeah. are, are sold. So for free. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just go check them out. We highly recommend them. So the movie, Top Gun Maverick, I recently found this incredible thing. Okay, you ready for this? I found this I'm incredible ready. thing. It's called ChatGPT. Okay. It's amazing because it's an AI that just does whatever you want it to do. So like, for instance, I wrote a song, or I should say ChatGPT wrote a song for my wife, and I want to perform it on air right now. I'm joking. You didn't. Yeah, I was going to say, you didn't clear that yet. Yeah, me. I didn't clear it with you. It's, I was just going to drop it because it's such a wonderful song. It talks about her eyes and how they pierce my soul. It's amazing. No, but in reality, though, I asked ChatGPT to write a super short synopsis of this movie. And I wanted to quickly just rattle it off real fast. And this is this is the synopsis of Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick is a recent action movie that was released on June 24th, 2022, directed by Joseph 
Kaczynski. The movie is a sequel to the 1986 film Top Gun. Tom Cruise reprises his role as Pete Maverick Mitchell, a legendary pilot now serving as a flight instructor at the Navy's Fighter Weapons School. The film follows Maverick as he trains a new generation of elite pilots while facing challenges that test his skills and confront his past. Which actually goes into what you're what, what we're gonna be talking about exactly. here. Along with Cruise, the movie features a talented ensemble cast, including Miles Teller, Jennifer Connolly, John Hamm, Glenn Powell. Top Gun Maverick is an adrenaline-fueled thrill ride with spectacular aerial sequences and heart-pounding action and intense drama. Yeah. <laughs> In theaters today. <laughs> Actually, it's streaming now. Oh, it's streaming now. Yeah. Ready PG-13. Um, so that is a fairly good synopsis, but it kind of misses the the conflict of the movie. It does miss a bit of that. Um, the, the, the movie it, it kind how, of centers around... How old around. were you back in 1986? Was it eighty five? I was. Uh, if, he said nineteen. I think. I think the AI said nineteen eighty six. Yeah, eighty six. Yeah. So June twenty. Well, if it was released in June, then I was less than a year old. You're less than a year. Yeah. Of, yeah. So you're not so, qualified really I'm, to speak on. No, I'm kidding. Um, I can't do research yeah. at all. <laughs> I don't know how to read. I. <laughs> I'm a. I. I was a junior. Yeah. In high school. Yeah. Okay. So is okay. like this. Does movie, that qualify you? So Top Gun is really a uh for me it was spurred mm-hmm. me into the military. Oh my god. So goodness I actually that. did join the Navy based off that movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I had the idea of being a pilot and all that until I found out I couldn't see 2020. <laughs> then that shot. <laughs> so you joined everything. the Navy because of Top Gun. And I did. Okay, and, listen. And it see it became but see, it came after see Reagan. Yeah. Okay, so then we bombed Libya. Okay. That okay. And that was a huge deal. That was like a Real patriotic deal because uh-huh. we were going after because the Beirut bombing had took place earlier yeah. and we had the Iran stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. So this movie came out as a kind of a a, a patriotic film to mm-hmm. build mm-hmm. on the back of this, but also as a recruiting tool by the United yeah. States Navy. That is 100% so, true. So it actually did its job for me. <laughs> but um, so was it was it amazing in Top Gun? It was a very when you good. You went sh- to Top Gun. Was it amazing? I wasn't there. No, <laughs> but I think it would be. Although I will tell you, I did stand uh, where that uh, Top Gun school is in San Diego. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so there are shots that were where like the, when he was in the bathroom there in Top Gun, the first one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and even on the second one, you see all those pillars. I remember walking down that. So I was on that in that area. San wow. Diego. So, okay. but it, the idea was, is that it, it just gave patriotism to America oh, and yeah. it surely did. Oh, absolutely. And Reagan was one that could just kind of really foster that. Uh, one of the, one of the things that, that was part that kind of typifies the patriotism in, um, in, in is actually the, do you remember that scene? And I'm actually just about to play it. I'm so we're going to go in the Maverick Top Gun. Yeah, I was queuing it up. Two. There's this. There's this scene. Now this is Top Gun um, that that I think typifies the the subtle yet in your face, uh, just just America. <laughs> this is just America. America. Yeah, America. you know. Okay, so here we go <clears throat> with the tiny short little scene that t- that typifies America in this movie. Ready for this? Here we go. Now we can't see it or we can't hear it, but there it is. The giant American flag. 
Yeah, that was the giant American flag. The wall, the the, the building mm-hmm. size American flag. Now I gotta hangar, ask you. It's in the hangar I gotta, deck. I gotta ask you, George. Was there ever in your experience in the Navy a building sized American flag? No. <laughs> No. What? Where did that come from? They're just like, we got to have a building size American flag. Yeah, we, it's a, it was a big flag. It was like 20, 30 foot tall, uh-huh, uh-huh. 40 foot wide. I mean, the, but, but my, my point here is that when, when the producers of the movie were like, we need, we, we need this scene needs something. It needs something more. They were like giant flag. And that, what you were talking about, how the movie is, was a recruiting tool and it's representation of America. Um, I think that this movie struck a nerve with the American populace and it was extremely popular. It actually had people, reviewers, praising it that I was surprised or praised it. So you're talking about the new one, Maverick. Yeah, the new one, Maverick. So again, how many years have passed since a the lot. first one? And that's an uncommon thing. <laughs> 37 years. Yeah. But to the degree that it came out and they even held its release because of COVID and all that, right? Yeah. It was supposed to come out a couple of years sooner. Yeah. But they held on to it, and you know it was. It's amazing how it just performed after having the pause put on it. Oh, now yeah. the idea here is this, though, is is that when it was released, it was an immediate blockbuster. Oh yeah, yeah. people were going to see it that otherwise would not even go to the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, I, I'm supposing because there are people like when the Passion of the Christ came out, uh, there were people that went to see that who normally don't go to the movie theaters. Well. They would have that kind of draw. Why? Because I think it typifies uh, there's a hunger in America for Americanism. Yes. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? For good old-fashioned America. Good old affair. Um, yeah. I mean, just patriotism in a good sense. I mean, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. been taking a beating, you know? Yeah, patriotism With, has taken a beating. But America. it just resonated, and I think that is what the hunger is, is that we want to see something that we can celebrate our country about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? I do think that that, that's still present in today's culture. And I think it's more present than the, uh, the, the, especially the leftist elites would like us to believe. Um, and, and this kind of goes into the, the, the segment that I want to talk about. Um, what we, what we plan on doing with these, I don't know if we've already gone over this, um, because we did, we did talk about this a little bit before the show. What we plan on doing with these, these movies is splitting the show in two effectively and having George cover the more down to earth ground on the ground view of short end movie. Exactly. And me covering the up in the, the clouds, you know, the long abstract, uh, the bigger picture, the, yeah. What, what is the, what is the bigger aspect of, what did that movie mean on the on a bigger scale? And so, then I'm more involved with what was the weeds level? What yes. was the emotional part of this? Yes, what was, exactly. Yeah. So that so both of those aspects of the movie, your aspect and my aspect, are I think dealt with in in understanding the movie as being the sort of smash hit that it is. Because I think Top Gun is a smash hit. Yeah. Um, I think it was. Was it? Was it a I think, smash? Yeah. Hit? I think it's. Yeah. Well, it grossed. A lot. It grossed a lot. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Mm-hmm. It grossed a lot. Yeah. Um, so major themes then, because we're just going to kind of get right down into the major themes. I, we didn't do, uh, I didn't do a ton of research on uh, like the back story and whatnot of the movie or production notes or anything like that. Did you? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I don't I didn't think feel we like we would. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a lot to talk about when it comes to major themes. Yeah. So major themes that I would like to explore and the major themes that you would like to explore right after that. I'll just, you know, mm-hmm. list them out. I wanted, I wanted to explore American excellence. U.S. excellence and American interventionism, 
because though the, those aren't those aren't explicitly called out in the movie, I think that's part of the reason that it had such a such a warm reception, even amongst those who were much more on the on the left liberal side of things. It doesn't call them out. It is shot through with those concepts, right? And I would shot agree. Through and this is after the Middle East conflict we've come out of. You yes. know where we went after Saddam Hussein. And, yes. You know we did unilateral unilateral strikes. Even in that, and it had bad press, and there's some right. questions there, but it still, it had a mission. Mm-hmm. It had a villain. It had a <laughs> savior. Which, interestingly, this, this, movie, this movie doesn't necessarily have a villain. I mean, it does have a villain, well, it, has the, it doesn't the, have a villain. The, right. It has the villain of the uh, nuclear program that mm-hmm. represents mm-hmm. a a some sort of risk to yeah. humanity. And then they had to pull a Star Wars too, actually. Right. You know, I, I watched a, a YouTube video that basically pointed that out to me. And the moment that I pointed out, it was um, um, a Ryan George pitch meeting on YouTube is really funny. Uh, he, he basically said, oh, so after the guy was telling him the synopsis of the movie, he's like, oh, so they're going to do a Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I never even thought lot of that navigating space yeah yeah navigating, navigating a narrow canyon <laughs> trusting in your extremely in, fast yeah. <laughs> hitting a narrow target uh, at the hilarious. end of the plan so yeah. that's what i wanted to talk about today what did you want to talk about today i what want, I I want to talk about the man who is maverick and i want to talk about what made up his decisions to be where he's at okay and and how that translates what was his major um prison because it seems like he was tormented in some ways. You want to talk about his internal demons. Some of the in struggle, yeah, some of the struggle that he had. But then also I want to take that a step further and apply it to us as believers. Not so much, I want to use it as an object lesson for us and how we as believers should deal with okay. some of the things that maybe Maverick had Sweet. happened to him. So as is tradition, then we should probably talk about the long of it first, shouldn't we? I think so. Because uh, I I just want to talk about my stuff. So (laughs) we're going to talk about that. Uh, No, I'm joking. Um, We we generally do talk about the long of it first. So that's why I thought of that. So you can handle it. um, All right. So American excellence. It's an interesting concept, really, if you think about it. And I think that there's an there's an element of that that causes a bit of anxiety in people when you when you say it. I think that 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 when when people hear that concept when American excellence there are the two extreme responses and then there's everywhere in between. The two extreme responses is oh that's just a, such a patriotic nonsense foolish thing. You can just name just a few things off and you can see how America is definitely not excellent. And then you have the opposite side of things where you have the response, well, yes, this, this country is, is is excellent and it is amazing. And I think that in 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 on the one hand, you have um, more oftentimes I see a, a sort of a snobby kind of, oh, this country is not good and, and you should know better. Um, and their their response is vitriolic because it is sort of this this uh well i've got to deal with this destructive idea whereas the opposite side of things when you see those who view american excellence as being sort of ingrained and yeah of course we're we're excellent um they almost there there can be a feeling of having to defend that like well hold on i'm going to tell you why america actually is an excellent nation you know the greatest nation in the world um even though I, I, I'm being attacked on all sides in this so culture. The premise, though, and why we get to this point where you're saying that America 
has excellence or the exceptionalism of, of American policy in us as a government. Because what we're talking about is that there was a mission mm -hmm. that was supposed to be carried out by a trained Navy pilots uh -huh. to destroy a nuclear threat. Mm -hmm. Common things, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, the question is, it was on its face, intelligence said this, they needed to have it done, it's a dangerous mission, maybe somebody's not coming mm -hmm. home. And it was a, it was an unnamed nation, right? You know, but come on, it was Russia or North Korea or any of the countries that, that we don't like right now. <laughs> yeah, or Iran or <laughs> yeah, or Iran. Well, it was kind of cold to be Iran. Yeah, it was pretty cold. So, but the idea here is is that there was uh, we as an American, uh, our policies, our foreign policies mm -hmm. needed to take care of this. Yes, and even though it's not on our property, and and we had the the right and the duty. To go in, to step in, and and, and make these uh, basically and do an unprovoked and, and, attack. And do an unprovoked attack. Well, unprovoked, we could then argue that it was right. it was provoked because they were developing uranium and they were going to use it for nefarious purposes. Because we knew, because we knew they were going to use it for nefarious purposes. Um, but all that all that wasn't necessarily directly addressed in the movie. However, the the spirit of the movie, I would argue, was tapping into the vein of of. The, the sort of latent in many people, or if, if not present in many people, sense that America is a great nation. So is there any credence to the concept that a nation can be great? And the reason that there's this conflict that sort of, you know, is, is, that, that builds in people nowadays is because we have had 50 years of postmodern multiculturalism drilled into us as a society. We have had, well, probably actually even longer than that. But my point is that there, that philosophical movements have worked very hard to undermine even the concept that there could be a nation or one culture that is better than another. Um, Thomas Sowell calls it uh, multiculturalism. I think that actually is is a, a, a general name, a general term for the concept of multiculturalism. Uh, or, or this particular concept we're talking about. But that concept can be summarized as the belief that every culture is morally equal. And there is no one culture that is better or worse than another. They are all, you know, basically equal. Um, and so what we get when we have this, this viewpoint that is now sort of baked into our thinking is you get this, this conflict now you get well, well we're good we're a great nation we have this vision of ourselves we're, we're a good and great nation i remember hearing dan carlin talk about the vision uh when he was talking about world war ii and world war one he was like americans have this this he called it a schizophrenic vision of ourselves we have a view of who we are we are the saviors we are the good guys we are the guys who go in and defeat hitler right that's who we are. And when we go to war, that's it, it. We were always the ones who defeat Hitler. And that, so that viewpoint is, is something that we've had, we, ha, we have had built up, but then there's this, this counterpoint in our thinking now that says, well, we, but there are no good cultures. There's no such thing as good culture, you know? So I wanted to, to address that specifically today because from a Christian worldview, when we start to bring this back down, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out Albert Muller here, I'm going to be like, from a Christian worldview, the concept of a culture being good and bad, is that possible? 
can a culture be either good or bad? Well, I think it can. I think looking from the idea that God raises nations and okay. he brings nations up and sets them down. Same with the kingdoms or kings of those nations. So I'm going to say that there is nations that can have God's favor mm-hmm. and nations that don't. Okay. And that could move and change as demonstrated so, in the scripture. So what, what gives a nation God's favor? Uh, when a nation seeks after him. Okay. Honors him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, recognizes him as Lord. So earlier, or uh, God or supreme or truth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, because yeah, some yeah. of these leaders back in the day uh, um, where they would, you know, Cyrus of Persia, mm-hmm. I mean, he understood the God of Daniel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's who he's ascended. That's the guy. That's the main God. Right? <laughs> and all of what you're saying is exactly right because we, we have a standard. And that standard is, if we view this from a Christian worldview, if we really view this from any worldview, there are standards that you implicitly utilize. But from a Christian worldview especially, we know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. but, But even more so when it comes to gathering true concepts that we can set before us and say, hey, look, here is this this concept out of Proverbs. Look, this stuff comports perfectly with a a subtle um, conscience that that seems to flow out of me. I I know that it's wrong to steal from my neighbor. And then the Bible tells us about all the ways that we steal from our neighbor. And we're like, oh, I I need to not do those things, right? So it goes further. The Bible opens up this this these these uh theological and philosophical standards for us to start measuring things by and so given that we then can now measure a culture we can measure a culture beforehand we were talking about uh the uh going and bombing your neighbor's uh doghouse well the problem in i think for the audience at home our the issue is is it right right for us to do a mission and mm-hmm. attack another country out of a proactive stance, you know, yeah. a fear that something could bad happen. Yes. Do you know what I'm yes. saying? If we're, you look at that action and be like, well, this, I mean, and the que- this is not directly The bigger immoral. question is, is that what God wants from any nation? Is, is there a shred of evidence that says that America is justified mm-hmm. to take out an enemy that has not attacked? Mm-hmm. Some would say, well, they did. And, and you know, there's the nuances of right. CIA stuff and all yeah. the, uh, you know, the, the hidden world that we don't know right. about right. of intelligence. Yeah, that, that's interesting. It, 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 gets, it gets certainly hairy. And, and some, that's something that I did want to address, actually, directly, because the counter argument to is America excellent is always, every time I've heard it, the counter argument is, well, what about this thing? insert thing here, whatever it is. What about this thing that America did? And it was unquestionably bad, right? And, and we can go back to the, to the beginning inception of this nation all the way to today. We can pick, we can pick things out. And my counterpoint to that would, would be that no culture is perfect, obviously. No culture is perfect. 
And I'm not even saying that America at this time is truly excellent in the sense of the word excellent, right? I'm just saying, I'm actually just making the argument that cultures can be better or worse. And it's up to us to now judge where we stand on that spectrum based on the uh, the standard that is the scriptures. Well, I would argue that in any group of people, just as Jesus said, looking across even the church setting, there's wheat and there's tares. Mm-hmm. You have sheep and you have goats. All cultures are mixed right. multitudes. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Some with good motives and some with bad. Sometimes those motives switch to the other side, mm-hmm. vice versa. But when you when you compare multiple cultures, when you look at them together, you can say this culture is closer to the Word of God on average as a whole, whereas this culture is further away from the Word of God on average as a whole. So therefore, this culture is in fact better. Now, now just because now you defined you found, oh, look, this culture is better than this culture because it, how much does that give it license then? Culture A, which has been proven to be better because it's standard, it lives up to the standard of the word of God better, but not perfectly. How much license does it give for interventionism? We'll get into that in a minute. And here's the thing. Remember, countries are not saved. Individuals are. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. countries are not, the idea that Ethiopia and America and Canada have a spot in heaven mm-hmm. is not reality. I think that there there's it's, it's kind of a cultural reaction to that concept and almost a sense of well obviously anybody who thinks it through would say oh well obviously not but there's still this sense of a my American identity or even any cultural identity that could say wait 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 what do you, what do you, what do you mean because I, I think I'm going to take my American identity up into heaven with me. I think there's a bit of that in some subcultures in America. I don't know exactly what part of our personality and our history qualifies to get through. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I do do know that the the righteousness of Christ gets us through. The problem when you talk about a country such as America is it can't be saved. No, it can't. (laughs) Because it's not a person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a collection of people. And they have a an, uh, they have a general disposition either mm-hmm. to obey God or disobey God, mm-hmm. and and that's because of the people that make up the nation mm-hmm. and the public sentiment behind it. You know, so so we used to have a uh, I would say a more cohesive uh, together uh, idea of what America is and values and borders, language, culture, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of been lost, and 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 it's not just. From now, I mean, you could say that the, the the revolutions of the '60s, the the not a clear wars that we fought in Vietnam and in Korea, and these they're like a mixed kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like that we had a great triumph and defeated Hitler. That was the zenith of our military type of success. Since then, we've had a mixed results. I mean, yeah. in and really. Before World War II, especially, especially after World War I, we were involved in World War I a little bit, but there was still a very powerful sense of isolationism in American culture, even after World War I, where we're like, we're not getting involved. It, and it's, it harkens back to the, even back to the founding fathers. It was like, and, we're not getting involved in, in nations and, outside of this country. And I would argue that there's maybe an ounce of truth that that represented what they felt was the Christian response. Yeah. Because yeah, you, I you don't you don't hit your neighbor unless there's a provoking. You know what I'm saying? It's it, you're not taking action against your neighbor 
in in out of fear of what they might do to you. Well, you, you, know you do under, have to understand the, the cultural context of where what the where the founding fathers were coming from, and their cultural context. It was very common for a country to go to war over the insults of a hunting dog being mm -hmm. shot or something to that effect, right? Something something seemingly trivial, but this monarch would go to war with this monarch, and they would. There was there was all this back and forth and these these sort of court politics and in in many ways I would I would argue that the founding fathers were reacting to that and they're saying we're not doing that anymore right we're and, not doing that and as evidenced you know we had Napoleon Bonaparte <laughs> as an ally right yeah. so and he's a dictator <laughs> yeah. so was, back then it was not you know they weren't sitting there judging the the morality and is Bonaparte going to invade Russia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And is he going to take over the whole world? They weren't thinking about that. No. They were like, we got to fight the British yeah. so that we can have freedom. And once we were settled in and we were like, okay, we got this. We then looked at the French Revolution and we we're like, you know, the king's dead now. So I guess we don't really need to, don't really need to intervene. And, and I think that was the, that, that has followed us throughout the 1800s and into the 1900s. But something changed in the 1900s. And that is that war just lost its glamour. It just lost its glamour because of multiple factors. I don't know. I don't know that it had glamour. Oh yeah, it did. It did. In the 1800s and before, there was a sense of honor and glamour and be and not not necessarily beauty, but it was this sense of duty that that was an honor to go to it was an honor to go to war. Yeah, but it was it was a strategic thing that was never entered into in a way that I believe is so easily entered into now because we don't have to fight general wars. Now we can send drones in, we can send well, in small a way, we've teams. We've kind of gone back to and, colonialism. I mean, we're again, there was, there was an honor. I would say that's probably more than just, I think, a, I, well, when I'm talking about the glorification of war, I'm talking about the, the Zenith of that and, you know, the Spanish American war and the, at the end of the 1800s, there was this sense of we're now this great nation that has swept across manifest destiny to the West coast. And we were kind of looking around as a nation and we were like, we've, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good. And then from there, there was still this undercurrent of isolationism. There was like, we, we still don't want to be involved. We don't want to go out there. We don't want to get into all these wars. However, though, let's, let's stop there though, because we had an overwhelming Christian population mm -hmm. and that had a more of a biblical mindset. Mm -hmm. We we couldn't sit on our hands either, yeah. In the face of injustice, well, that's the. That's I mean, what because I we know to. we know that uh, the shores of Tripoli or whatever mm -hmm. that song. It's part of our. Um, what song is it? I can't remember. It's, it's probably a patriotic it's song. The, that yeah, we're it's a marine. To know. But basically, that was um, uh, who was our, our president that sent them in? Um, world War One or World War Two? No, we're talking colonial. Oh, colonial. Yeah, leathernecks. That's where they went in and had to go against the Muslim hordes oh, in Tripoli. Sure. Um, that was... I don't know. Thomas Jefferson. Oh, wow. I believe that's who it was. You know my history. So the, the thing is, is that there was... We, we as a nation wouldn't sit back and just allow evil to erupt. There is the key element. In World War One. it was nowhere near as simplistic as, as in World War Two. In World War One, it was the collapse of a Bismarckian, you know payment system, cultural payment system between, and, and the alliances fell apart and then all of a sudden everybody's at war, you know, and they, it was, it, it changed from being this, 
this thing that people could easily glorify to this thing that people were like, well, actually now it's horrifying. And more and more people were seeing how horrifying war was. And then we went into the 20s and 30s and and, and the American culture was like, we just, we're stay out. We're going to stay out. But it, but when overwhelming evidence of what Hitler was doing, which he, he was, Hitler really is the quintessential bad guy. Um, we as Americans were like, well, we can't, we can't stand for that. We can't even, we cannot allow this to continue. And therein lies, uh, I would say, I would argue that our intervention into World War II, and I would, uh, we're probably not going to get into this too deep, but I would also argue all the way up to the dropping of the bomb, uh, of the atom bomb, all the way through that, I would say that with obvious exceptions during the course of the war, America, we acted it with excellence in that case. We did the thing that must be done to overcome a fascist government, which was literally murdering millions of people, you know, in, in concentration camps. We didn't actually fully know that at the time. We didn't know that there were Jews when we invaded Normandy. I don't think that we fully knew about the, the concentration camps. We might've had some whisperings, but we, we didn't have, we didn't have like solid Intel. Oh, they're murdering millions of Jews. Um, so, so we look at that and we look at world war two and obviously you can then make the counter argument. Well, some of the things that we did in world war two, or even a lot of the things we did individually and as a country were pretty horrible, right? Right. Pretty I, shocking. What I'm just trying to sit here. What makes us different from the Roman empire? What makes us different from the Babylonian armies? What makes us different in those and one of the things that I think makes us different is that we always operated or try to operate by principle and restraint. Do you know what I'm saying? Even though we would take unilateral action, and we have done this in the last, since the 2000s, okay, on major fronts, we, it's, it has been, for the most part, more surgical mm -hmm. than it is. It was a police action. Than, than overwhelming with force. Do you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So Certainly in the Cold War. Yeah. So I'm just, I guess, where are we going with this? Because my thought is we have a mission that Maverick has to do. Mm -hmm. And we want to know, is it morally just or is it unjust? It is, it depends, is where I'm going with this. However, knowing the rubric of of the Bible as the method for us to understand just or unjust, we can come to the conclusion that this particular intervention is just. I think that that, that that's an, that is an important, um, and what, that's an important thing to suss out because how can you, what is your premise that it is just or that it is just, I, I'm not saying that, well, it, from a simplistic view that the movie presents us, uh, this country was definitely going to use this to bomb a bunch of innocent people. I mean, kind of implicitly the way the movie portrays so you're, it. You're, these are the bad guys. Right. Right. And you're, you're taking do this. The, these are the Hitlers. And of you're today. taking the intelligence as being accurate. Exactly. Without exactly. it, without any malice. Knowing that, uh, knowing that we would be like, well, we gotta, we gotta, you know, step in and intervene. The naysayers would say, well, the intelligence could be skewed. Yes. There could be the globalists that and they do A, say, B, and C. They, they could, could be, say the same thing about Hitler when we were about to invade Normandy. But at the same time, 
My point in all of this is to say, though the details do change and though the situation does become a bit murky at times, we can nevertheless, with, with careful scrutiny and using the Bible as our standard, we can discern whether or not intervention in a given circumstance is justified, warranted, or no. And we can discern whether or not our culture can be considered excellent or no. That is the baseline argument that I'm trying to make here because, and, and again, this is actually kind of, especially in the, the further left you go, that is, 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 a, uh, is a ridiculous statement. Well, it's like what I just said is a ridiculous statement. As a believer uh-huh. who knows that we're in a great battle that transcends nations, mm-hmm. we're in the battle between good and evil, you know, Satan constantly trying to sow, kill, steal, and destroy, as we know the scriptures say. We know that nations represent groups of people that have come together to live in geographical areas, right? We know, I know, at least as a believer, that one thing I can trust is, is that I may not necessarily have any say-so in what our America does, you know, the government. Really, when you think about it. Yeah. It's... It's out of my hands. Our votes it, it's do a count, though. It's a thing that is outside of my control, uh-huh. right? But because me as an as an average citizen, as a citizen of the United States, I can not be up at night or jumping out of windows because of all the conspiracy theories that come. I can realize that God says that everybody who's in charge will give an account. Yes, and those that are in charge of many will be held to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a believer or not, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's gonna, you, it, you will be held. So these people that make these decisions, and if you find yourself in the decision that you're the one that's going to pull the trigger on bombing whatever nation, because that's where status you, you, you are in this country, then you better make sure that your motives mm-hmm. are right. And this goes back to the Bible. It goes back yeah. to our standard for what is just and what is unjust. And if we don't have that standard, then we fall into what I would say where we are right now, which is we we are a culture in decline. Right. You know, whereas once I could look back at some of the aspects of the previous culture, probably many of the aspects, and if we're if we're generous and careful, we could say, wow, this this was closer to the scripture. Now we're seeing a culture that is just rapidly flying away from the scripture, and I. Maybe we could at one point say that America was excellent in a way, but I don't know if we can say that much longer, if even now. So, yeah, my point in all this is to say we need that right there. We need the scripture. We need the scripture. We need the truth that the Bible gives us as a as a standard for how we judge and how we determine what is good and what is bad. And that includes cultures, that includes intervening in foreign affairs, that includes all of that. Right. And in in following the biblical mandates of, you know, the government is appointed to punish evil and reward good. Mm-hmm. We are ordered to pay taxes. We are ordered to give honor to the king. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we are ordered to we are to be ordered in our society. Mm-hmm. And that is our primary responsibility from God's perspective. Whether we find ourselves in the ability to change the course of our nation, then we should take that opportunity to do so. But if we're not in that course of responsibility, then it is our duty to always 
So the gospel. Yes. You know? And what this, what this Bible helps us to do also is to understand the nature of internal conflict. Yes. Internal conflict that you might find yourself when you're, say, flying an F-18, but you really know that you let your friend down yes. and he died. So going to the short of this. Yes. And to the human aspect, because we agree that the mission, whether it's just or unjust, is going to take place. Yes. And though pilots and Maverick accepted that, he didn't sit up and bawl about the fact that, <laughs> are you sure we should invade them? Because right, it right, right. doesn't seem right. Everybody was willing to give their lives mm -hmm. in that situation. So, but taking Maverick's story, because the film really kind of pivots or is focused basically on Maverick mm -hmm. and what... It was named Top Gun Maverick after exactly. all. Exactly. <laughs> and what he was doing to uh, promote success. Yes. You're right. So, you know, I had looked at, there's a couple things that looking at his character and, um, you know, there's a scene in the movie that, uh, a few scenes where, you know, he, in the beginning of the movie, he test, test, uh, fly, uh, fly that. Yeah. He's a, he's a test pilot for a Mach 10. Yeah. Mach 10. And when they had to get Mach 10, well, he goes a little bit beyond it, but you know, mm -hmm. the point is, the ground, the orders were to ground that project. It was mm -hmm. scrapped. The authorities weren't there yet. He said, heck, I'm going to go do it anyways. But he did it not because of his own ego. He saved, he wanted to save the people's jobs and the project mm -hmm. itself. And he knew that if he could get up one last time, maybe he'd give it, get, be successful. Well, he was successful. Mm -hmm. And then he pushed it a little farther. So there was a tendency in his character and then he to, be, to be reckless, right? Yeah. <laughs> So he crashes, right? And then he and he shows up in a diner and he's like, where am I? And the kid goes, Earth. <laughs> that was a good scene. I like that. There were, and then he's standing in front of a commanding officer going through his file and, and all he was saying is distinguished, distinguished, distinguished. And his, his discussion to Maverick was, you're distinguished and yet you're only a captain. Mm. You should be an, an admiral. And with as Maverick always is, he has the one-liners. He can deflect that criticism into something different. Like he's like, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, for now, I'm we're not grounded type of thing. And but he still displayed that, always pushing the boundaries, mm -hmm. right? Always pushing the boundaries. Um, one of the things that too through the uh, through the movie is when he. Um, was asked to be the the leader of this, and he saw uh, the son of Goose, mm -hmm. who was killed, immediately had pause on that. And he was not sure about this at all, because in the back of his mind, you know, that represented a critical point in his history. Now, no longer is he looking at pilots who are pilots for the that Navy. That was one of his internal conflicts. Yeah. Just sort of... He wasn't looking at pilots that were part of this, just those pilots. He was looking at a friend, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a friend's son. That mm -hmm. caused pause, and that tension was in the movie where he was uh, either too controlling or he talked about the past where he, uh, he pulled the papers on Rooster Goose's son, putting him back four years mm -hmm. from the mm -hmm. academy, and he did it because he felt like well, the mother – didn't want him to fly. He just took control in areas that he really didn't have jurisdiction. Right. right. Do you know what I'm saying? 
He so intervened. He intervened in things he didn't have the authority to do. Oh and that goodness. is a main theme yeah. on all of his assignments. If you hear what the girlfriend said, you know, yeah. who yeah. who did you tick off now? <laughs> you know, where did you get sent to now? He's always pushing the boundaries, right? Right, right, right. This reckless behavior, however, either served him well or crushed him because it took reckless behavior sometimes to accomplish the things he did. Yes. Because yes. nobody else could do that. Well, it, throughout the movie, we actually see constantly Rooster, which was Miles Teller's character. That was that was Goose's son. Rooster was constantly holding back and not, he was being too conservative. He was being too um, careful. And he wasn't, it was, he wasn't acting out of, he wasn't reacting or acting. He was trying to overthink things, yeah, right? Yeah. And that was one of the things that he, he felt that, um, Brewster's problem was as well. It's that he wasn't ready because, and maybe there's some truth to that. We don't know. He had some authority in the matter to pull papers. He had, you know, but was that right or wrong? It, it, it's not the issue. The issue is what motivated him to be that involved in that young man's life. Mm -hmm. Remember, he wanted to be a father. He said he wanted to be a father to him because yeah. Goose had passed. Yes. And he didn't, and he also was noble enough, though, to know that he didn't want Rooster to know that his mother didn't want him to fly. Right. Right. You know, and he didn't want resentment. To, so he was very careful. It seems as if he had a lot of, how shall I say it, martyrdom mm -hmm. type of mm -hmm. thinking where he was going to take the load himself. He was going to be the person that... Going to bear that burden. Exactly. Remember him. when he was called upon to be the pilot leader, he thought he was going to go into the mission himself. No, no, you're training. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, you training. You're training. So he had a, that, that removed an essence of control. And then he, the great dilemma was, Rooster, if I say you're not part of the team, then that just one more thing on top of the pile mm -hmm. to alienate him from him. And if he did accept him, he um, he could be killed. Yeah. And then and one more, that brings me up to the main point, what I'm trying to talk about. Yes. The epic part of this film wasn't in a plane. It wasn't on a ship. It wasn't in, you know, playing volleyball or the beach football. The epic part of the film was when um, he went to see his friend, Ice Man, which Val yeah, Kilmer, right? Yeah, Val Kilmer. And, Who, by <clears throat> the way, in real life has thro had throat Yeah, that was a real thing. Yeah, he yeah. really, that's that's how he talks. Mm -hmm. So, so he had to go to his friend who was an arch enemy back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And... He had to sit down and Val, all through his career, bailed him out. Yeah. Bailed him out. Because Val knew, or Iceman knew, what he was struggling with. And that was the loss of Goose, mm -hmm. his co-pilot. Um, and then he said, I, he types on the screen because he can't, can't talk. Right, exactly. I want to talk about work. And and he get point, I want to talk about work. And then uh, Tom Cruise already knows, I don't want to, I can't, he's not ready, you know. <laughs> I can't be the person that orders him in to combat. And he said, it's time to let go. Mm. It's time to let go. And you're going to see Maverick as a character be, show something that he's never shown before. I don't know that I've seen it. Well, when Goose died originally, mm -hmm. you know, he was a mess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But... It, he showed a human aspect of himself that he had no control over. And that was, he didn't know 
what to do or how to do that. How do I let go? I don't know how to do that. Mm. That is the key point. And Val didn't say anything more. He stood up, I think, and he made a statement that says the Navy needs Maverick mm -hmm. and Maverick needs the Navy, I think is what he but said. That was, that was that major turning point in, in Maverick's character. Right. Where he was being confronted with the, the demons was, of his past he was sitting at that moment. So what is the demons of his past? Yeah. I want to I'm, I subject everybody, and I think that this is the main thing, is that he was struggling and never recovered from the death of his partner, Goose, mm -hmm. which caused a unforgiveness of himself, mm. which that unforgiveness was spawning guilt. And then that guilt also then would demonstrate in psychological things of control, mm. of, of uh, perfectionism, of trying to be the person who solves it all, bearing a burden that he could never carry. Mm. But he was carrying it nevertheless. Yes, he was going to do it regardless. That's uh, really relatable, isn't it? Yes, but he, <laughs> he finally confronted, Iceman finally confronted him that you can't do it. Yeah, it it's like not it. your, in your wheelhouse, so to say. It's time to let go. Um, he, had, he, didn't, he doesn't have that responsibility. So people say, well, then he still felt like he was responsible. The Navy had cleared him in... Back in the in Tom Cruise's uh, first movie, the Top Gun, he went through the the military thing. He was cleared. Even that was made again by uh, the other admiral, the sidekick admiral, said that Tom was cleared of any wrongdoing by the Navy. Da da da. So even Tom couldn't accept the fact that the Navy said it wasn't your fault, but he still kept that going. Mm. So the Navy put it away. They threw it away and said, it's not, you no longer have to pay for this. This is not something you're responsible for. Mm -hmm. Here's where, as we as in Dive Deep, want to bring what the movie brought out. Although this isn't a Christian film, although we're not talking about a relationship with God and man, we can see the principle here that if a man carries, or a woman carries, a burden, a burden of unforgiveness or a burden of guilt, let's just say guilt, their whole life, their life is going to be typified by what you saw, you see in Maverick, constantly trying to carry a weight he can't carry, constantly being underperforming, constantly having control problems, constantly self-sabotaging, no ability to focus, right? Why, what, why is this important? Because as believers, how many of us do the same thing when God has forgiven us of our sins mm -hmm. and he says, I've taken and thrown it as far as the east is to the west, yeah. it's no longer there. How many of us hold on to it, the guilt still, the guilt of the past that we've been forgiven of? Mm -hmm. and, you, and you can hear the typing. Don't you think it's time to let go? Mm. It's time to let go, right? So guilt... And the, the burden of the past is something that can both, in, a, in the moment that you, you, you sit there with the decision, do I like or not? And, and in, in a very real sense, at every moment, you, 
have that decision, do I let go or not? There is a certain sense of comfort with with holding on to the guilt. There's a certain sense of comfort with holding on to anger. There's a sense of comfort with holding on to these things because we almost we have this certain self delusion of control at that point. Is We're it is it comfort or is it just simply control? I mean, I, I would argue that. Let's that l- let's look. What part the, of the reason that you would hang on to it is comfort. The other part is you just because I would say holding on to go. something that God has said is forgiven, that we're no longer guilty for. Now I'm speaking specifically to those who are saved. Jesus has forgiven your yeah. sins, and you are specifically struggling with something that you you feel you cannot overcome, like Maverick, and feels that he's responsible for the death of Goose, mm-hmm. and he has wrecked the life of Goose which is not the case. He was absolved in a court. Mm-hmm. Just like we, when we become saved, are in a court and have a legal verdict, not guilty, mm-hmm. innocent of all charges. You know, Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The idea of, of being renewed. Our conscience is sprinkled. Mm-hmm. Sprinkled with what? The blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're washed in our spirits. We have a robe of righteousness. And yet we sometimes bear guilt and we don't need to. Yeah. And it yeah. causes the symptoms that we saw in Maverick's life. Yeah. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. Maverick was... Not guilty, we are not guilty, but yet we continue to continue to continue to repent of something that is already forgiven. We we want to take on that the uh, we want to take on the burden of of not forgiving, not forgiving ourselves, and and you know I've heard of this. I've talked to people who are like, well, I can't I can't forgive myself. I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. It's it is a remarkably prideful position when you put yourself in that in that role where you say, "Well, God, God has forgiven me, but but I can't forgive myself." I'm like, wait a second. So, God, who had to go to the cross in order to die and rise again three days later, had to go through all of that to get you forgiven. But you're saying that now you cannot you can't forgive yourself, even though He has done just a, 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 a literal miracle to do so. When we when we literally say to the Lord, and we want to be guilty for something we're forgiven of, okay, mm-hmm. and we say it's not enough, mm. we're telling God you're insufficient. That's it's and, a pretty horrible thing. And to we're, say. we're telling that the punishment <gasps> that you endured on the cross is not good enough for what I did in this instance. Mm. These we have to get to the point where we understand what Jesus paid for. Yeah, for us to get through this, and that understanding has to run really deep, because when when you as a Christian when you, when you're first saved, you you just start to understand it, and I would argue that as you are sanctified throughout the course of your life, you are given periods where you understand it more, and maybe even periods where you don't understand it as as much, but the more you understand it, that's when the peace that passes understanding 
that we read about in the Bible starts to take place. Right. The peace that you're like, I am at peace, even though I know that I'm, I'm far from perfect. I am at peace with who God has accepted me as. Right. With who God has made, is making me. He says, your old self is gone. I, I don't want that anymore. I'm, I'm undoing all of that. And I'm making you into, I'm making you into the new self. And you are at peace because you are in his hands. When you tell yourself, well, I'm not really in his hands. When you tell yourself that you work in your heart that I can't really forgive myself. I know he forgives me, but I can't really forgive myself. He's, and you're effectively saying he's not sufficient. You, you put a wall, you kind of place a wall between you and him. And that, that is what I would argue a form of sin. And, and in that sin, you create anxiety, you create self-destruction, you create this, this even self-loathing or self-hatred that might that might come up. You sin crops up all sorts of bitter fruits. Right. And in that bitter fruit, the Lord, the Lord basically, you know, is, is saying, no, 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 don't, don't eat that. Don't, I've got so much, I've got so much better for you. But for we can get it in our heads that nope, this this is this is what I've got to take. And it's like Maverick is like even though he's a strong character and he flies the snot out of jets, right? And can beat most pilots. Mm-hmm. He's like a drowning man. Mm. And the, the life preserver is there, but he just doesn't grasp it. You know what I'm saying? And as before the show, I was talking with my wife about that. And, and, and the issue is that Maverick needed to understand that Rooster is his own person. And he and he has the choice. Mm-hmm. He can make it be the choice to be a pilot if he 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 doesn't have the authority to intervene in his life out of fear or concern from Maverick's selfish side. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let Rooster be a pilot because I don't want to lose. Maverick him. was holding on to exactly Rooster in a sense. It was like, no, this you have to be here because that is what soothes my guilt. Exactly, and that's what keeps things safe. Yes. Iceman saw through that. Yeah. Boom. You need to let go. Is it time to let go? And and even Iceman was that way back in the first movie when he and he says you you leave your wingman. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He understood he he identified character flaws even back then in, Mar- in Maverick. Was was it was it Iceman that he said um, you can be my wingman anytime. Exactly. He yeah. said that to Iceman yes. at the end. Yeah. At the end. <laughs> so, so the movie then Top Gun Maverick ends <laughs> in the sense that you see Maverick getting resolution from his past. He's, he's engaged with this girl friend and I guess is going to be long-term, right? Something he couldn't commit to. Mm-hmm. And whether it's self-sabotaging or whatever, because he's getting too close. And remember the daughter of the girlfriend said, don't break my mom's heart. Mm. You remember after he so sneaks we, out the window, we knew that he was breaking hearts, right? Yeah. So, and that's a sign of somebody who's restless because mm-hmm. all in all, Maverick wasn't a bad person, so to say, evil, so to speak, so to speak. He just had an inability to commit, right? right? Because anytime you carry that kind of guilt with you, it's hard to join life. It's mm-hmm. hard to be normal. It's hard to join in to rest of society. So I guess the short end of this, and that's what I wanted to end with, my my issue is, is that just like the demons that Maverick would have dealt with, we as believers need to understand 
that we could live 20 something years and live in a in a prison of guilt that squashes our potential that squashes our ability to build relationships that squashes our ability to uh to do good for others unconditionally irregardless of what my feeling is do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and, and and to allow trust to still be out there you know mm-hmm. that's the short end of it i think well i think i think that we have a good comment here um diane emmert i think i know her uh remember at the end of maverick uh, or at the end maverick finally found forgiveness in the end when he threw goose's ta- dog tags into the ocean that's he exactly right. Guilt. He let go. That was that is exactly yeah, right. He let go of the guilt. And and letting go of the guilt from from a Christian perspective is placing your trust more in Christ. Right. And that, for you, for the believers is. out there that need to throw dog tags into the ocean. Right. Remember, that's what you need to do. You need to let go. This isn't something you need to you can't fight this. This is something that God's already done for us. And so he's carried that load. He, at, when we let go, we have to take hold of the cross, and and that's that's crucial. I think in in letting go of guilt, letting go of sin, letting go of anything. You can't just let go and be like, "Well, now I'm better." It has to be letting go of the sin and taking hold of the cross. It right. has to be letting go of the sin or the guilt or whatever and taking hold of Christ. And we're because ta- if you don't do that, right. then that empty hole is just going to remain empty and you're going to fill it with something else. And by the way, Satan uses guilt yeah. tremendously. But the he Bible tells will us use that. That guilt is no more. Yes. And for you that do not know Jesus. Yes. Here's where you have a we have a savior that will die, has died, mm-hmm. and will give you the freedom you desire. <laughs> yeah, will give you the freedom you that you so desperately need. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any better way to end the episode uh, than than understanding the way to salvation. I mean, we talked all episode about understanding. Uh, we have a standard by which we can discern what is right and wrong. We have the standard by which we can understand uh, this culture as being better or worse than that culture. We have a standard as to whether or not we should we should intervene in topics. We have a standard about what the nature of our own guilt and our own pain and suffering is and how we can overcome that. But truly, we've talked about uh, taking hold of Christ. The only way to take hold of Christ is to repent of your sins, confess and believe. It is to, it, we, we're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. And this faith is not in some immaterial, wishy-washy, maybe a concept here or a concept there. No, no, no. This faith is an actual historical Jesus Christ who walked on this earth, taught through his ministries, taught through his disciples to his disciples, and then he went to the cross. He died a death. We couldn't die. He took all of God's wrath on that cross, went to the grave, actually died, and actually rose again bodily three days later. And why is that important? Because the same victory over sin and death is what he offers us now yes. as we believe in him. Because he's, he's ready to f- and willing to forgive you. When we are outside of Christ, when we are apart from Christ, we are under wrath. We are under God's 
wrath. And it really can be no other way. Sin has to be dealt with. Everybody knows that. I mean, I, I, I don't even have to go any further. Everybody knows sin has to be dealt with. And we, in, everybody knows that you can't just let the, the guilty go free, right? Well, we're all the guilty. Everybody's guilty. And, and we need Jesus Christ's work on the cross. And the recipe for Maverick, don't, isn't it time to let go? Isn't that the same recipe really for you who are without Christ, who are struggling with sin and, and shame and guilt and con? Isn't it time to let go? And that is and, a really good way of putting it because the reality is that when you turn to Christ, when you repent of your sins, and when you place, when you when you say that the Lord is the Lord of my life, you are saying, come in and make any revision that, that needs to happen. And that's a scary thing to do. Right. When, you're, when you're saying, I, I hold on to my sin no more, I instead trust in your saving work on the cross. You are doing more than just, you're doing more than just identifying with a new culture. You are saying, you, Jesus Christ, are Lord of my life. And you tell me, this standard tells me, you through this standard tells me what I am doing right and what I'm doing wrong, and everything I'm doing wrong must change. And you'll be free from the shame of sin and guilt. Yes, yes. There it is. So I think we stop. Yeah, huh? I, that's that is the long and the short of it. Exactly stretched out over the entire episode. I through, really through Maverick Top Gun. It is through Maverick Top Gun. Awesome, awesome. So so from here, we wanted to let you guys know that you really at this point we're going to be reviewing pop culture uh, media like this moving forward. That's gonna this is gonna be the new show format. So we really want you to jump into the comments. We really want you to jump onto the page, and we want you to tell us what you want us to review. And I'm going to be putting up polls. Probably we're going to we're going to see if about getting polls to see what we're going to be reviewing next, and what themes we're going to be pulling out, and what themes we're going to be tearing apart and sussing through, and all that goodness, right? Um, so yeah, get on there. Tell us what movie or TV show you'd like to see us rip to pieces <laughs> and uh, uh, rip uh, to pieces. Rip to pieces. But un until then, you can find us on, um, well, now on the Christian Podcast Community. Well, probably at this point, with if you're listening, but it, but if you're listening live right now, then we're not quite there yet. But by the time this goes live on the podcast stream, you will be able to hopefully find us at the Christian Podcast Community. And to all those who found us through the Christian Podcast Community, welcome. We yeah. are so happy to have you here. And we're really looking forward to many more shows like this one. Um, and so so go to divedeep.net. That's where you can find our uh, other content, our blogs and our um, past shows past shows yeah we got that all on Dive Deep mm -hmm. Net. you can find us on Apple Podcasts you can find us on Google Podcasts and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dive Deep Podcast uh, that's where we do our live shows when we do the live show we're not going to do every um, every every month's episode with uh, a live stream but we'll, we'll do you know quite a few of them that way so um, but that's pretty much it for us today alright so uh, until next time Soli Deo Gloria all right. God bless everybody.
Hilton, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now. He's looking at you, kid. No, no, no. It's I, I just, it's the, the the thing that goes before the show. If you want to know what is up with movie, you know, just create it like a. Oh, by the way, I'm recording. So no, you're if not. you start, oh, I absolutely am right here. That's recording, so I get to use this audio for anything I want. 